Welcome to Storytime with Uncle Reddit, a podcast where I read some of the best posts from across Reddit and around the web. Each episode is a collection of funny content that includes subjects like tales from tech support, entitled parents, choosing beggars, pro-revenge, and more. Today's episode is all about tales from tech support. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, hey, everybody. I hope you had a good Easter, Passover, Ramadan. Uh, Evidently, they've all crossed paths this year. All right, we got some long stories today, so we're just going to jump right in. That one time I got called out to a customer's house to show them how to use Craigslist personals. So I just saw a post in another thread asking people who work in customers' homes what the weirdest thing they had seen was. The topic got me thinking, and I think I'll put the answer here instead. I'm currently a senior IT security engineer, but that's not how it started. About 10 years ago, I was working as a repair tech and would frequently go out to customers' homes and businesses. Normally pretty standard stuff. One day, I get thrown on the schedule for a call to a customer's house for a service we sold to train people how to use a computer. Pretty reasonably nice guy, probably in his late 70s. He invited me into the house. His wife is sitting on the chair, watching TV. Pretty zoned out. We get to the PC, it's custom, which I thought was all for someone asking for training. But then I sit down and he tells me in an almost rapid succession, I'm trying to figure out how to use the Craigslist to meet girls. (laughs) Now, I texted my boss, told him what the dude asked me, and he just said, as long as he doesn't get creepy, show him the page, bookmark it, show him how to get to it, collect our $200 and get the F out. Honestly, it was exactly as awkward as one would think trying to explain how to hook up with hot local singles in your area using a web page most used just to sell stuff. This was also during a time when, from what I could see, they were all fake posts anyway. Nonetheless, I showed the guy how to get to the bookmark, got the cash, and got out. But man, did it make me crack the hell up to see that question, and be the first thing that came to mind. Sometimes you just have to share it with Tales from Tech Support. Well, and we're glad you did. That is a little weird. With the wife sitting in the house, no less. Or maybe it was his twin sister. Who knows? I don't want to know. Service call for tax day. User unable to install TurboTax and in panic. Got my knives sharpened. So it's one day till taxes are due and I get called to go to help this lady install TurboTax. It won't install, she says. Okay, I try to talk her through it, but she's like, Gah, just come over and do it. I need to file an extension now. She wasn't mean, but just freaking out due to the fear of the IRS. Okay. So her issue was that her DVD drive, yeah, she had an actual install CD, didn't autoplay the install.exe and she didn't know how to navigate to the disk and click the install. So I install it and she's super happy. It literally took me 10 minutes or something. She wants to pay me, but her husband has a knife sharpening business. I had him sharpen my two pocket knives I had with me and man, they are sharp AF. Like scary sharp. He does all the chef knives in the area for the restaurants, etc. So, good trade, I think. Good luck, lady. I told her I'd never use that software, but she should bing any questions she has about it and not bug me on a weekend. Now I'm having a beer and weed eating some brush, so no more calls. Cheers! Edit. Set her DVD drive to autoplay as well as showing her how to get to the drive through Explorer. I say this at least once a week. The barter system is alive and well in America. I am absolutely not opposed to the occasional barter. 
Now, most of the time, cash works best because, you know, the electric company doesn't really like to barter for eggs and soap and whatever. But between us artisans, if I'm saving money on one thing and you're saving money on my service and we can kind of come to an agreement, it works. How about you guys? Have you guys ever bartered for anything in your line of work? Uh, whether it was your business or somebody else's? Let me know down below. Kevin in a Server Room, Part 1 Some Backstory I'm an IT professional and took a job at a small manufacturer in the Midwest with a very small IT staff, about six people, to service a manufacturing firm of 300 with over 150 computers under our control, and everything was managed in-house. Relevant to this story is an application to monitor our network and servers. It was a lightweight application that ran on my office computer and monitored all critical servers and networking equipment, database, website, phone system, PBX, Phone and fax line, VOIP converter, domain servers, backup servers, networking switches, routers, firewall, VPN. You get the idea. If it was on the network and important, my application made sure it was online. If for any reason it went down, all IT staff were immediately notified via text and Slack message, and a monitor in the IT office dedicated to this application showed which systems were down, and guessed on what single point of failure could be the cause if multiple systems were down. Oh, and did I mention the air raid siren? In the event that something went down, it would override my computer's volume control and play an emergency air raid siren to get the attention of anyone in the office. Cast, me, and Kevin the IT team lead. It was a cloudy afternoon, sometime mid-January, about 4.30. I was staring out the window of my office, considering heading out early for the day and thinking about what I was going to have for dinner when I got home. Suddenly, I'm drawn back to reality by an air raid siren blaring in the office. Seconds later, I receive a Slack and text notification indicating that most of our equipment is down. Surely this must be a mistake. A bug that was never caught when developing this program, right? I look at the included list of the disconnected systems and quickly conclude that, if accurate, this is a huge issue. I open a terminal and attempt to ping some of the down equipment with a few IP addresses that I can remember in the moment. Sure enough, none of them are responding. I look over to the application and silence the alarm and see that it is unable to determine which device could be causing this failure. From experience, I know that this means that there are multiple devices down. I quickly glance at the list of devices and conclude that they are all across into our second building. I breathe a slight sigh of relief, thinking there is a chance that one of our fiber optic transceivers had just died, or a wire has been cut. I rush across the parking lot, past numerous people trying to interrupt and tell me that they can't seem to access the database, or that their calls cut out or internet is down and so on ignoring them all since I already know that the issue lies ahead into the server room. I enter, bracing for what lies ahead. As I enter the room, the first thing I notice is that it is eerily quiet. For anyone unfamiliar with servers and networking equipment, they're loud. Numerous fans spinning as if trying to take off like a helicopter. But not today, not now. Something is seriously wrong, I think to myself as I round the corner. Next thing I see is Kevin, standing in front of me. I briefly think to myself, wow, he got here fast before ever noticing the wily e. coyote after running off a cliff-like look on his face and the vacuum cleaner in his hand. Oh, crap. No, surely he isn't that dumb, right? For context, our servers ran on multiple dedicated 20-amp circuits, each using approximately 15 to 17 amps, each with a battery backup, UPS, for if we lost power. It takes me a second to notice him unplugging the vacuum. It's plugged into one of our spray-painted red power strips, indicating that nothing should be plugged in or unplugged from this strip. Instantly, I know exactly what happened. The 10 to 12 amp vacuum paired with at least 15 amps of servers has tripped an overcurrent protection on our UPS. 
I share a frustrated look, and Kevin sulks out of the room and starts answering questions from the crowds gathering outside. I quickly cast a prayer to any deity willing to listen and start diagnosing which systems may be fried. I quickly begin bringing systems back online. First network, then internet, then phone, intentionally leaving our servers and DBs for last, as I'm sure some of them will not start back up. When I get to the DB server, I'm not at all surprised that 14 of our 60 DBs are corrupted from the loss of power with active clients. At this point, I begin reassessing my life choices, wondering why I didn't leave when I had the chance, and begin the hours-long process of recovering from a backup, and trying to merge that with any non-corrupted records from the database that would not boot up. By midnight, I had them all back up, and everything was humming along as if nothing had happened. I got some nice OT, and Kevin learned a valuable lesson on following procedures, right? No, of course he didn't, but that's another story for another time. Yep, sometimes one of the most useless animals on the planet, middle management. Kevin in the server room, part two, blackout. Obligatory cross post from r slash stories about Kevin. After posting part one, I was met with numerous requests for more about Kevin. So here we go. But first, please read the backstory of the last post as it is assumed that you have done so. This story takes place about five to six months after the last one. Cast is me and Kevin, the IT team lead, again. What do you do when the battery in a UPS dies and you want to replace it? Most people would schedule downtime for any devices plugged into it, buy a new battery slash UPS, and swap them. Well, Kevin is not most people, and this story would not exist if that was all he did. As far as servers go, there are some that can go down without people really noticing, and on the other end of the spectrum, there are those that can't go down at all but for a scheduled reboot, sometimes with an uptime of years. The server for this story is the same as the one from last, our database server, hosting about 60 databases at the time, and falls somewhere in the middle, being critical for company operations, everything from purchase orders, punch in, punch out times, employee HR records, all were on this server. If it was in a company database, it was on this server. Depending on the type of system you were intending to take down, there were different times you were allowed to do so. Because this server was used almost 24-7, we were only allowed to take it offline on the weekends or late after hours, neither of which Kevin was inclined to do since he was salaried. The obvious solution to this dilemma was to find a way to unplug the server without shutting it down. Seems impossible, right? Well, not to a trained and seasoned Kevin, it's not. The Dunning-Kruger effect, in short, says that people with limited knowledge about a topic believe themselves to be far more knowledgeable than they are. This was most assuredly the case for this Kevin. You see, since you can plug a server into any 120-volt outlet, this must mean that they're all the same, right? Wrong. Very, very wrong. The U.S. electrical system, in simple terms, has a bunch of 240-volt transformers that create a neutral and two positives, each 120-volt off the neutral. Think of it like a line with each end being 120-volt and the midpoint being the neutral. When each of the 120-volt phases are in phase, the other is out of phase, so combining them in the same wire creates a 240 volt potential, not 120 volts. I'm a software engineer. Any electricians have a better analogy? Anyway, Kevin's solution to not shutting down the server was to cut the insulation on the server's power cable and solder on another plug, then plug that one in before unplugging from the UPS. Oh my god. This would have worked if the two 120 volt plugs he used were on the same phase. Well, they were not, and according to the security camera footage, the server was less than happy, but I'm getting ahead of myself. There I was at my desk, finishing up some work to an application, to allow PLCs to talk to our database, if anyone's interested. 
when, same as last time, flashing computer screens, text messages, Slack messages, and of course the air raid siren all beckoned my attention, informing me of the long and stressful evening ahead. I am pleased to see that the application is informing that only one system is down, but brace myself as this is our database server. I try to open a connection to the database and sure enough my connection is timing out. Over to the server room I go, yet again. Before I even enter the room I can hear UPS's beeping informing that the power is out and they are running on battery. In short, this is going to get worse before it gets better if not resolved quickly. I pull out my phone to dial our electrician and before I can place the call I enter the server room. I see Kevin with his back towards me. Our mobile work cart which has been set up with a soldering iron, a plug with black scorch marks all around it and a server still smoking from whatever crap just went down in here. As I approach, in shock, wondering how soldering shut down a battery, backup server, I am stunned to see that this perfectly functional power cord has been modified into an abomination that I am sure OSHA would have some choice words for. In a fit of rage, which in hindsight was totally unprofessional, I shout at Kevin to get out and I'll take care of it before having the mental clarity to get HR and safety involved. You see, as a manufacturing firm, we have robots, mills, drills, forklifts, presses, and more. Lions and tigers and bears. All of which will gladly destroy any part of you that get between them and where they want to go. Usually our safety personnel were supervising employees on camera to ensure that no one was breaking procedure in a way that could get them or someone else hurt or worse. Today they were going to join me in the server room. I make a couple of calls, block off the server room with red danger tape, akin to that used by police to mark a crime scene, I thought that was yellow, and pull up the camera footage on my phone and just wait, not wanting to touch anything until directed to do so and informed safe by our safety and electrical teams. It takes him about five minutes to arrive and I hardly needed to say a word as the electrician pieced together what must have been going on and described the danger of such a procedure to safety and HR. Then I queued up the camera footage and showed about the last 30 seconds of the clip before the server was plugged in. Frankly, I'm shocked that he didn't short the two leads in the server's power cable during the process of soldering them. Needless to say, no one was happy. A company of 300 employees all contacting their managers about system downtime. Managers contacting the GM and owner about missed deadlines if things don't get back up and running. GM, managers, and owner yelling at me and Kevin about what happened. HR, electrician, and safety yelling at Kevin about how dumb of a move this was. It went on for about 10 minutes before everyone had said their piece. Safety had to do an investigation that took a couple hours before we were even able to get our server to try to triage it. And to no one's surprise, the PSU was dead. Cooked beyond hope. At that point, I just decided to go and get the backup server and port over a database backup and go from there. Moral of the story, hire an intern to supervise your Kevin, even if he's the team lead. Outcome. Kevin finally lost his server room permissions and permissions to do any physical work on any system without prior written approval from someone else on the team, and we seldom gave that permission insisting it was easier to do the work ourselves than to clean up the mess left behind by Kevin. Kevin sounds like an idiot. I'm starting to wonder if there's some nepotism here because how did this guy get to the position he's in if he's that stupid? Although, just like in the military, we tend to promote the morons to get him out of the way. So, who knows? You've been listening to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. If you enjoy this content, be sure to follow my podcast. I upload new episodes at least three times a week.